Welcome to Growing Disciples, the podcast of the United Church's Formation, Education and Discipleship Unit. I'm Craig Mitchell and I'm speaking today with Mel Perkins and Neil Thorpe. They've both been responsible for lay education in the United Church across the whole of Queensland and today we're talking about online learning. In recent years the whole world of education has changed tremendously due to the introduction of digital technologies, uh, the internet, online learning, etc. And for uh, schools, colleges and universities, that's meant a whole lot of changes. The church probably is only just starting to catch up with some of that. And so today we want to talk about uh, what kind of possibilities does this new world offer for local churches and for local leaders. Mel and Neil, thanks for joining me. Let's start with why would a church think about online learning possibilities? Craig, there are lots of great reasons why you would consider online learning opportunities. One is a distance factor, for example. Um, You might be a church that might be some distance away from a a college or your group might find it a little difficult to travel to get somewhere. By accessing something online, you can actually access a wealth of resources from a number of different places. Might be in your state, might be in another state, might be in a different country. Um, And you can actually learn a whole lot and connect with a whole lot of different people staying right in your own backyard. You start with the distance thing and I think that's a great place to start because, I mean, I've worked across the state of Queensland when I was the youth uh, director here and the distances are enormous and I know that leaders find it incredibly hard to get people to go to regional events. That's always been an issue, isn't it? How do you get people to go somewhere in order to learn? So we find that um, people don't have a problem if they're connecting online, they can sit in their own lounge room, sit in their study and do their study. So they don't have to travel very far. They can sit in their pajamas in their kitchen and do their study. Say, for example, if someone's on the land, um, they don't have to either give up time trying to get to a weekend of study or um, trying to get into town for um, nights of study. So it's not just a distance factor too, there's also a time factor here. So often face-to-face opportunities are conditioned by the availability of people to come to the local area Uh, and so dates are often set uh, by a small planning group but those dates may not actually suit uh, the majority of people or the particular folk that want to make best use of that. So there is some frustration when people have folk coming to their local area but can't get there because of other commitments. If I can choose when to learn it might be late on a Saturday night or it might be on a Wednesday afternoon or I happen to have a roster day off every second Monday. Yes, and we even have people in the local area. So, for example, you know, we're based in Brisbane. We have people in Brisbane who study online because that fits in with their time commitments, their family commitments, their social commitments. And so they don't have time to come into the college to study, to do a face-to-face course. But as you say, they can study in their own time. What you started to talk about then was um, people with a common interest. So I might be the only person in my church who's interested in... I don't know, the book of Habakkuk or leading a youth group or coping with grief, but there might be other people in other places. Yeah, well, yes, certainly that's one of the things that you can do is if you're on your own in that space and um, you think there's nobody else who's prepared to study with you, connect into an online group and be part of a learning community. They might not be close to you in distance, but they're certainly going to be close to you in learning. 
if there's um, one person that the local congregation has identified as being gifted for children's or youth ministry, then it hardly seems worthwhile in terms of time and cost for one person to um, draw the resources, say, of our adult faith educators to go out to that place. So having the opportunity for that person to uh, connect in and do some kind of study um, suits the congregation but also it's efficient in terms of the resources that we have available to, uh, to um, provide education for people right across, not only the state, but across Australia as well. We are also in the case where the staffing, the resourcing of the church is less than it has been in the past. It's certainly uneven across the country. So the, the likelihood that there is an expert in your area who's going to come, as you say, and do a workshop for a very small group somewhere is become is probably becoming less and less and less. What are some other benefits that you would see in online learning? We're talking about online learning in terms of uh, an opportunity for study and that's to make the distinction between someone who just goes online uh, to search for information that might help them. So a structured form of, of study, it can be at various levels. Obviously there is a tertiary level, there are other levels at vocational education where courses are available, but also in the area of lay education, it's the structuring of courses that are particularly relevant to particular functions and ministries within the life of the church. So for instance, uh, in local congregations, there are people uh, who, are, who are becoming leaders. So the opportunities to exercise the ministry of elder. Uh, others who might be in the administrative side, um, doing secretarial work, um, uh, financial, being the, the local treasurer. Uh, opportunities for those people to access um, uh, consistent quality information that helps them with their work and their ministry is really important. So it's not just about studying the Old Testament or the New Testament, but it's about equipping people for ministry within the local congregation. One of the other things that um, can also happen, which um, often people don't think about, is that even in the online environment, um, you can really develop your faith. And often people think, well, isn't that something that has to happen when you're face to face? Um, how can that happen across a digital environment? And uh, it can really happen. And we've seen it happen with our own students. Um, we've seen a, a great development of faith. One of my um, co-workers some years ago said that most congregations now are so small that they can't provide all of what is necessary for mature faith development, that you actually have to go outside and look outside. And I, I know we've all been in settings where someone will come to a face-to-face -face group and, and go away. It's like a breath of fresh air, like, you know, I can't talk like this in my local church. I've never heard this in my local church. I feel free to ask questions. So it seems to me the same thing happens in a, can happen in an online environment. It happens all the time. We see that all the time with our students. It's not just as someone comes into the environment and certainly you can, they, they can do their work on their own, but there's a lot of email contact, phone, phone call contact, um, sometimes text that goes on as well. There's communication and connection and relationship building that happens. For me that leads us into the question about people being wary of this, because if, if I'm someone for whom the word study doesn't excite me anyway to think that you know I actually wouldn't mind being in a class where there was a teacher helping me but sitting at home by myself with a computer and a pile of books doesn't actually thrill me. Have you come across those kinds of anxieties? So these people might be um, 
driven by what we call adult learning needs. So they're not driven by necessarily the need to study more, but they're driven by the need to obtain information, to grow in faith, and to exercise a better ministry on behalf of the church. So adult uh, faith education is really uh, driven in many respects by the needs of the people themselves. So that would be one of the things that make people a bit wary, and that is to, uh, to understand that um, the, co the course of learning that they've signed up for is something that will actually be relevant for them personally, uh, will deepen their faith and help them to be more informed in the exercise of their ministry. We find a lot of people also a little wary about the challenges of using technology. And we have a wide spread of ages within the Uniting Church and a wide spread of people uh, in terms of their attitude towards technology. There are some who uh, just jump in and are happy to jump in the deep water, so to speak, and others who fear to put their toes in the water at all. And we've experienced something of this in the work that we've done, uh, but we have found that where an online learning environment um, emphasises good communication, good contact between those who are facilitating the courses and those who are undertaking them, um, develops relationships even to a, to a degree of pastoral care for people in terms of uh, companioning them on their journey, uh, we find that people, once they know that there is a real human person on the other side of, of the, uh, the computer and that there are real connections to them and to their faith, that this helps. So the technical issues of I don't quite know how to uh, get into this course and I've lost my password, they're things that you can deal with but you deal with better once people are confident in their relationship. We have a number of first-timers who are in, for example, the 60 to 70 age bracket uh, and who've never approached this kind of thing before, who use our webinar technology and almost freak out. But once you get them through the first one, they're raring to go for the second one. This isn't just digital technology, this is people alongside. And that's what makes a difference. You're talking about the feedback loop thing there and, and what I hear you describing is that when online learning is done well, that feedback loop is constant. When I started in distance education a bit over a decade ago, the office secretary would send out the materials and uh, people would sit at home with their readings and they'd send in their three or four essays and basically their only contact with the teacher was getting an essay back with, a, with comments and a grade. That was it. So uh, I, what you're describing is much more dynamic relationship. We find with um, the online learning our experience is that we probably have more interaction with students than we do in the face-to-face -face courses, strange to say, but if we, you take into account telephone calls, um, emails, contact through the learning uh, system itself, uh, we uh, particularly use webinars so there's a sense of live interaction as well. Um, so all those things uh, people uh, are encouraged to feel that they can um, contact uh, the course facilitators, but also be part of a wider group that's studying. What's webinar mean in your setting? A webinar in our setting is an online seminar. So it's a, the system that we use is very similar to Skype, and what it does is allows us to share our screen so we can uh, either lecture. Do you, mean, do you mean a video there or audio or what? Oh, yes, yeah, so it's video and audio. Yes, okay. 
uh, other students can also see um, other students' faces and hear other students if they have a webcam and, and capacity for that. Um, there's also room where people can write comments, so there's a chat section. We can also have debates, all sorts of learning opportunities that we can actually use. We can run webinars as tutorials, we can run them for a whole group, or um, sometimes we might do them one-on-one -on -one with students. They're all online at the same time, so they're participating live as if they're in a classroom. And if I can't be there that day, can you record it or something so I can catch up later? Yes, we, all of them are recorded and uh, then we upload them to um, a particular spot we have on the internet and um, people get a link and they can then go to that and check it out. A powerful use of the webinar technology which Mel referred to is that we do use it for one-on-one -on -one learning support. So if a student, for instance, is having problems within our learning environment and perhaps not being able to find the next set of uh, lessons or resources, uh, it's possible for us to go into the webinar with them, for us to look at their screen and actually talk them through. Okay. Or if a student is experiencing difficulty understanding something, uh, then we can go to the webinar and through the use of that we can show them our computer screens and then we can walk them through the particular material that, that they're having difficulty with. So it's, it serves a number of uh, quite important uses. For us it's very relational and, and that's what's important to our students as well and it's one of the things that they talk to us about um, that actually helps their learning and helps their faith formation. Does it help people to have local support and how? And, and do you structure any of that or do you kind of hope it happens? Well, we, um, we have a handbook that goes, or a course outline, I should say, that goes with um, each course. And part of that not only uh, outlines courses of study, uh, materials and all that sort of thing, but there's also a section there which actually asks people to identify someone locally who would be able to support them in some way. That's, we, we see that as very important because sometimes you can get so caught up in the hurly-burly of everyday life that it's too easy to put the, the learning aside, whether it's attending classes or even going to an, uh, being part of an online course. So where they are in a situation where they can access um, the resource of a local minister, we certainly recommend that they consider um, doing that. We find uh, ministers are often um, very pleased to, to support. We've got one, one group of five from one congregation whom the minister sort of uh, became their sort of on-site tutor. Um, we've also uh, talked to a number of congregations about setting up small groups of say up to ten where the minister actually is an active tutor in that situation. Um, if a person is in a remote situation and they don't have access to um, an ordained minister, then we recommend someone in the congregation who is a leader of some kind. It could be an elder, it could be someone who is an accredited lay preacher. There's a great opportunity here that probably most churches and most ministers haven't even realised yet, that part of our local church um, leadership strategy, leadership development strategy, faith development strategy could be helping, encouraging, facilitating our members, our leaders, to uh, join a group, uh, study a course. Yeah. Over the time that we've been involved, um, a significant number of people who've been part of our online courses uh, are obviously people who are currently leaders or moving towards leadership. We get a significant number of people doing the period of discernment, not necessarily proceeding uh, anywhere beyond ministry in their local congregation, but people wanting to uh, discern what God is saying to them and what call God may have on their lives. What makes an online learning experience positive, and if I'm the person learning, how can I get the most out of it? Just like any learning course, 
you might learn some things that might shake you up a bit. We encourage students to be open. This is meant to challenge your faith. It's meant to encourage you to think more deeply. And sometimes that's difficult when you're sitting at home and you're not in a classroom and you're not there with other people around you. So sometimes that can be hard, but to remember that you're part of a wider learning community. One of the things that online learning experiences offer you is that um, your course may involve a whole pile of links that will take you to a whole pile of places on the World Wide Web. So there can be current events, there can be all sorts of things that are going on. It, it seems to me there's a flip side of that, which is I could Google any subject and just sit there for days reading everything, but if I'm part of an online learning thing, it will actually take me on a journey that's kind of guided. So it's, that too. yes, you could look at everything, but there's, there's actually some form and structure to this that's designed to help me think and work things through. Also, it's about taking hold of the opportunities to interact with the course facilitators and interact with um, other students you know, in the course structure and also putting that information into play in your local congregation. So you don't have to wait till the end of a course to uh, say I'm now the best treasurer in the world or I'm a capable youth leader. It may be that you get ideas and part of it is putting into practice ideas and skills that you've learned and then coming back to your learning saying well, that worked. No, this didn't work that well. I really need to, to, uh, um, to, to learn more about this and I need to ask the right kinds of questions that allow me to get the information that, that I'm seeking. It seems to me too, certainly in lay education, more and more of the assessment has actually got a practical component to it anyway. So you're not being just being asked what you think, you're being asked to you know, write a prayer and, re and use it or speak about something. Or is that, is that right? Yes, we're certainly trying to encourage people to think more about what their environment is and think more about the impact of what they're doing and how it connects into their ministry situation, their faith formation. It's more of a holistic approach. When I was at United College, we moved from 11 or 12 weekly lecture packs to you've got four projects. They are things like write a prayer, prepare a little talk or something, have a conversation with these people or something like that. So you're, it becomes immensely practical around the kinds of things that um, people do in leadership. Yeah, I think that's critical for because adult learners want to interact with the kind of material that helps them to be better at whatever it is that they, they choose to be. And uh, certainly um, in, in our courses, um, particularly worship and preaching courses and uh, in other courses, we have creative dimensions. How have you seen online learning developing and changing over the last few years? It's certainly becoming a lot more interactive. We've moved more now into um, something where here's an interactive environment now where there are links, there are questions, there's sets of readings, there's spots for reflection, spaces to interact with other people, there are places to go off and search on the web, there are connect connections into current events. Um, there's all sorts of things happening and going on. When you were getting that just downloading your stuff. It was pretty much on your own. All the um, online courses now are moving towards building learning communities. It's possible for us to actually harness the capabilities of people from right around Australia in terms of folk who can provide input uh, that's tailored for the Uniting Church. So to finish up, what would you want to say to a local minister or local leader about this kind of opportunity? Well, particularly if we're talking to folk within the Uniting Church in Australia, some of the, uh, the courses that we're talking about are uniquely offered. For a Uniting Church minister, I'd be saying, here, here you've got some resources that have come from within the Uniting Church perspective. The other thing I'd be saying is to see them as 
part of the educational opportunities that can be harnessed and offered within each local congregation. The minister might be able to partner with uh, this course uh, and act in a tutorial kind of role. And as I said, we've had three or four situations where we've spoke to ministers about doing just that. I would encourage ministers to um, encourage their congregations, encourage their members to keep studying, to keep learning. I know a lot of people get put off by assignments and, and things like that. You can audit our courses as well. So you can actually learn as a Bible study group. We've had a lot of people do our courses, not because they want to be a lay preacher, but because they just want to learn more and develop their faith more. And they have come back and said, that's exactly what's happened for them. And they've been so enriched and they can't believe how much their faith has deepened. What I would say to ministers is, open up some opportunities for your folk, encourage them, support them, tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, here's an opportunity. Come alongside them as they grow. You know, I, I sit at my desk sometimes and I have tears falling down my face as I read people's assignments. How many teachers get to say that? I'd love to share that with ministers. That's a great note to finish on. Thank you both for the conversation and I, I sincerely hope that your ministries um, grow and flourish.